Welcome to the Freedom Church Podcast. We are so glad that you are investing in your relationship with the Lord by listening to this message. Check out our YouTube channel for a complete log of all of our sermons. If you would like to know more about FC, visit our website at www.freedomfamily.us. God bless and remember that the best is yet to come. Amen, amen, amen. Good morning, Freedom Church. How are y'all doing today? Yes, thank you so very much. I'm so excited. I I tried to do it myself. She wouldn't let me. She's much stronger than she appears. Um, So I am super pumped to be with you guys this morning, the first Sunday of 2022. No pressure, no pressure, but it's going to be an awesome day. I want to start things off by first thanking the the people that that a lot of this Sunday is possible because of um, you have a couple of folks that pray for you, whether they're in front of you or not. You've got some folks that carry a heavy burden for each and every one of your needs and your love and your heart and your faith walk. That's our Pastor Terrell Somerville and his wife, Miss Shanda, whom we love so very much. Can we hear it for them real quick? Most certainly, I love these guys with all of my heart and they love you with all of theirs. They carry the burden so gracefully, but this this podium has been prayed over, it's been anointed, it's had much truth spoken from it by our senior pastor and we're so grateful for his leadership and his love and you guys know that corporately and I can tell you personally that he is a man that is just deeply burdened and in love with our church. So I'm so grateful for that example, for that leadership. Um, One of my favorite things about Pastor T, I think one of the things I admire the most is his outdoor outdoorsmanship. Do you guys know this about Pastor T? Right, he's a big time outdoors guy and he recently had a major shoulder surgery, right? If you guys know anything about drawing a bow or casting a reel or like very aggressively going through God's word, right, that's very shoulder intensive. You know, there's a, there's a lot of shoulder stuff that happens there. And his recovery, the surgery was a major one. The recovery is a long term. So I know it's just, just eating at him, not being able to jump into this stuff. But, uh, you know, I've always admired that about him. That's not always my jam. He's, he's real interested in getting me into this hunting thing and kind of getting the thing. Like, you know, waking up at three in the morning, two in the morning, when it's cold, and like, okay, let, let's, let's jump in the Wayback Machine. I want to introduce you guys to, to a little bit of a story real quick. Um, we're going to jump in the Wayback Machine to the year 2001. How many of you guys were alive in 2001? Not every hand, praise God. Um, so, in 2001, I was a sophomore in high school. I was 15. I'm, I'm aging myself here, 35. Praise God. Guys, getting old is cool, amen? Like getting, yes, getting old is awesome. People expect less from you and you're capable of more. That's cool. Like I, I dig the heck out of getting older. I think it's awesome. I'm loving it. I got a few gray hairs to show for it. But, but again, we return, we return to what we're talking about. Okay, so the year's 2001, the Nintendo GameCube just came out. I am into Nintendo GameCube, right? I am a gamer. Like, growing up, I was not the outdoors guy. I wasn't ever into sports ball. Like, you know, that wasn't really my jam. I was, I was into two things, and that's video games and martial arts, and that was my jam. And I will find any excuse to square up and take a fighting stance in the middle of a sermon, and I almost have an obligation to do it. So uh, the next is, you know, all that kind of, anyway, I love it. That was, that's my jam. It always has been. So, but I was not the sports guy. I was not the hunting guy. That was never my jam. Well, I had an obligation on this day when the Nintendo GameCube came out in 2001 to go hunting. It was an obligation. 
I didn't want to go hunting. I had no desire to go hunting. Nothing about me wakes up at two in the morning and goes, let's cover ourselves in urine and let's stand in a frozen tree and let's wait for things. No, that's not, that's not my jam. I don't like it. I, I, I'm not interested. Like, if the sun has more sensibility than to wake up that early, we should follow suit, right? That's not something that we should do. But let me, let me set the scene for you, okay? It's two in the morning. It's winter time. Like, not Tennessee winter. Guys, we don't, we, okay, I'm from Illinois, okay? Tennessee winter, it's cute, really. Like, it's, it's, it's adorable, let me, but Illinois winter, oh, right. If you guys have seen the movie 300, Illinois winter is Leonidas in the movie 300. This is Sparta, right? That's winter in Illinois, and this is what it was. It was two in the morning. Even the sun had more sensibility to get up. I'm 15 years old, right? Maybe a buck 10, maybe. I'm wearing all double XL gear because guess what? It wasn't for me, right? But I'm, I'm trying to fit into this. I look like MC Hammer in parachute pants, like trying to, like it's all camo gear. It was, it was bought with the best of intentions from the best RB surplus store. Wasn't working out for me though. So, and then we got to put this, like, you got to mask your scent with deer urine. It's like negative 400 degrees outside. It's the sun's not coming up. We get in the truck. We drive out to the middle of nowhere. And guys, when I say the middle of nowhere, I'm talking like this is the place in the movies where no one can hear you scream, right? This is the middle of nowhere. And then we get out there and then we make our way over to the, uh, the four-wheeler, the ATV, right? This sounds like it's going to be a fun time. Get on the ATV, you're going to get a little froden, do a little off-roading in the, in the four-wheeler. It's going to be fun. We drive this thing 800 miles into the middle of nowhere. And I thought no one could hear you scream before. No one can hear you say that no one can hear you scream in this part of the woods. And then we get off the four-wheeler because, oh, the four-wheelers can't go any further. We have to do the rest on foot. If a four-wheeler can't go somewhere, don't go there, right? That, that seems pretty simple. You know, you're already freezing. It's negative whatever degrees. I can't feel my fingers. I can't feel my toes. I can't feel my feelings. Like, but I'm pretty sure if I could, they'd be hurt. Like, we're, we're trying to get someplace, and we're going on foot for another, I don't know. In my mind, it was 200 miles. So we, we get there, and I'm thinking, what are we going to do if we actually get a deer? Everyone knows, you gotta drag it. You've gotta take that big thing and like, I don't, look, I'm not the guy, I'm not into the taxidermy, like I don't, I don't see like a lamp and a nice you know, uh, table and a chair and think, you know what this needs? A head of an animal, right there, right? That's not my jam. I don't think that way, like I like things. If you do, that's cool, like I'm not judging I'm judging a little, but I'm not judging harshly, right? Like, I'm like, if that's your thing, go for it. More power to you. Not my thing. So I'm out hunting, negative 400 degrees, had to walk all this way. My feet are tired, or they would be if I could feel them. And so we get to this tree, and I'm like, okay, where do we go? And they're like, look up. What? I, there's this tiny, t like, at 15 I know this thing's not gonna hold my whole butt. Like, there's this tiny little stool metal stand. Do you know what metal does in the freezing cold? Mm-hmm, you sure do. So I had to go up this tree, like negative 400 degrees, climb on it. What happens to wind and cold when you elevate? 
It gets worse, huh? Yeah, so I get up in this tree, I'm miserable. My heart's not in it, I don't wanna be here. I'm just thinking about the GameCube, right? I'm thinking about Smash Brothers and that beautiful purple controller and like getting together with my buddies. Like this is what's on my mind. This is not my jam. I don't wanna be here. And so we, we get up in the stand and we wait for six hours. Like I'm describing this to somebody and some people in this audience are going, oh man, that sounds awesome. Y'all a bunch of masochists, it's what you are. There's no, there's no pleasure in that. I mean, more power to you if you get it. Again, ain't for me. I'm judging though. So we, we get up, we're in this deer stand, we're waiting, and then finally the magical moment happens, right? We see a little deer pops up, right? Because that's what they do. They're magical. They pop up, they do this little thing. So the deer pops up. Right, and I see it's got the it's got the little pointies, right? You know, it's 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 got the pointies, so you know it's a it's a buck, right? This buck has the pointies. Okay, there you go. See, I know things. Um, if it doesn't have the pointies, it's a doe or or a child, a, a fawn, fawn. <laughs> I'm learning. So, if it doesn't have the pointies, do that. Little fun fact though: reindeer, female reindeer actually have antlers. I didn't know that. Turns out they do. Anyway, back to the story. Um, just wanted to give you that little fun fact. So I see the deer, and like I'm, I'm thinking, okay, this is my ticket out of here. <laughs> if we just tag this thing, we can go home, and I can go get the GameCube, right? It just came out. Again, my heart's not in it. I am beyond miserable. Like miserable was, was like four hours ago. I'm way beyond miserable at this point. So I take this bow. I should tell you, this bow is a 50-pound draw weight. I've never drawn this bow before. I'm 15, I'm a buck 20, this buck 10, this thing is half my body weight of draw weight. So I'm sitting here, I'm going like, all right, there he is, this is our chance. Like I'm trying my best to get this thing, right, I get it, it's drawn, it's ready to roll. Somehow the deer heard me grunting, I'm not sure how. I didn't know that's how deer ears worked. Apparently, they can pick up a pin drop from the next hemisphere. I don't know why. But so like, apparently they heard So the deer heard it, was unhappy with it, decided, uh-oh, and it starts to take off, right? It like prances and it's, I don't know how deers do. It decided to take off. And so I figure, all right, it's M&M time. I've got one shot. If you guys understood that joke, repent. So uh, uh, my, my palms are sweaty, right? I'm, I'm ready, I'm, I'm drawn back. I've got, I've got one shot to make this happen, but I'm frustrated, I don't wanna be here, I'm straining, this is not my bow, these are not my clothes, this is not my jam. I let the bow, I, I, I let the arrow fly, I miss it by a mile, not only that, but as I let go, the thing skins me in my forearm, tears my arm up, the arrow misses the deer by a mile, but manages to peg a tree, explodes into a billion tiny pieces, and I see this pointy antler laugh at me as it prances away. <sighs> This is, this is my most recent experience hunting, right? But here's the problem. I was defeated before I had ever taken aim. Before I ever notched an arrow, before I ever pulled back the string, I was already defeated. In my mind, I was already done with this whole situation. It was a bad setup. It was a bad thing that led up to it. And I figured, well, it's just gonna be bad from this point forward, might as well put out the dumpster fire so we can all go home. That was my mentality. 
But that was me at 15 in regards to hunting, something that really wasn't my thing. Now we, as adults, and not adults, will be adults one day, praise God, but like those of us here now, we even do this today. Like we just celebrated, right, 2021's over, 2022, a lot of us have the same mentality. Let me show you some of the memes that we're coming across here online these days. If we wanna pull up, okay, here's the first one. 2019, we could have a bright future. 2020, we need to be more careful in the future. 2021, our future plans have changed. 2022, wait, you guys have a future? Right? That's one of our memes. Let's, let's look at something else. Here's Will Smith. When you realize 2022 is pronounced 2022. Fresh Prince ain't looking so fresh right here, right? He's, he, is, he is not thrilled about this news. And finally, we got the last one. Big transition from 2021 to 2022, and there's me in the middle, still thinking we're in 2020. A lot of us feel like Dwight in that second picture. We're watching it happen, and we realize that where we've been is most likely where we're going. That's the thought process, that's the mentality. We think that where we've been recently dictates where we're headed. We think that this trajectory is linear. We think that where we've been going is what determines where we have to go from here. But I wanna, I wanna encourage you of two things. First off, that is not true. That is not the case. That is not our circumstances. That is not what binds us. But the second thing I want us to look at is there's someone that exemplified this so beautifully and his name is David. How many of us remember reading about David? We, you know, if you guys have watched Veggie Tales, right, he was an asparagus, but you remember the story just the same, right? Little David had a little rock in a, in a little sling and he threw it and took down the giant and he was like this little like early Justin Bieber looking dude. It's like, it's always this little kid. All right. Let's, let's wind the clocks back even further. We went back to 2001. Let's go all the way back like several hundred years into the thousands. We're talking about what this David actually looked like. David was a shepherd boy, okay? He wasn't this little bitty dude. Scripture even says that prior to his interactions with Goliath, that David had killed in defense of his uh, sheep, in defense of his herd, he had killed lions and bears with his bare hands. Right? Suddenly it's not no little Justin Bieber little dude anymore, right? Suddenly you're looking at like GSP, Conor McGregor, like some stout dude that's ready for the brawl. He came prepared. He came ready. The king even offered him all of this great armor, all of these great weapons, and he's just like, nah, man, this isn't, this isn't my thing either. I don't know how to use this stuff. This isn't, like, I'm here because the Lord sent me here. I'm here because the Lord needs defending against this Philistine giant who's trash-talking him. I'm here because something needs to be done, and none of you guys are getting it done faithfully. But let's take the step even back further. David was the prophesied and true king of Israel. But the nation of Israel, they were so worked up about not having a king, God said, you guys don't need a king. The nation of Israel was like, oh, well, Egypt has a king, all these other people have kings, we need a king too. And so God's like, fine, and so that's how we get King Saul. Now King Saul had a really good run early on, but then things started going awry. And this prophesied king, young David, suddenly he comes on the scene, right? David didn't start off as a warrior. David didn't start off as a king. David didn't show up with a crown and a robe and a scepter and 
you can do the Gandalf, you shall not pat. No, no, no. He showed up as a musician. His first interaction in, in this whole scenario after the prophecy was him as a musician stepping up with a harp. Like, okay, do you guys ever fall asleep to sleep to like sleep sounds? You guys ever do that? He's like, like a little, or like maybe it's like rain falling or something else. Okay, a lot of people do that. Um, Saul was being tormented by night terrors, by evil spirits that were coming to him in his rest. He was not getting good rest. Apparently, it's tough to be the king over an entire nation when you're not getting good sleep. So, his advisor said, there's this young man, he's a musician, his name is David, he knows how to play the harp very well, why don't you invite him in your court to help soothe you while you're sleeping? And so he did his little harp thing, I don't know if it was like a little, like a little, or if it was like a thing, or like, I like to think of it more like it was like a Les Paul, like homie like showed up, he's like, like I'd sleep comfortably to that, but not everybody's that way, I get that. So whatever it was, whatever he played, it was led by God and it was a soothing experience and that was our first interaction and then suddenly David as this young man, as a boy, like this is his true boy form that we're getting right here, is the, is the musician, right, the instrumentalist. So he comes and he does this thing, the next time we see him is with the interaction with Goliath, right, he was a player of God's music, but then after that he was a shepherd. So you gotta understand, not only was this guy physically in an incredible kind of condition where he could take on bears and lions with a club. Like, that's some fierce stuff. Like, straight up, I love you guys, but if a bear or a lion shows up in this auditorium, y'all just gotta deal with a bear or a lion, I'm out. Like, that's, that's not, <laughs> that ain't my fight, you know? But, uh, but David, that wasn't his attitude, that wasn't his heart. A bear or a lion showed up, he's like, I got it, right, and took care of business. That's what David did. But it wasn't just that, he was a shepherd. And when we think of shepherding, we probably think of like cattle driving and you know, very, very Western understandings of, of the way we do it. You think about a bunch of dudes, like what's his name, like Rip from Yellowstone. You're like thinking about dudes like that, like show up in a black Stetson and they've got all these like horses and dogs and they're like, yep, yep, there you go. <laughs> right, and that's how they like herd stuff. But that's not how, it, it wasn't herding so much as it was leading. He had to train these sheep. He was one man, taking care of all these sheep because they understood his voice, they were trained. He was patient, he was loving, he was thoughtful, he was sacrificial. These are all of the qualities that it took to be an effective shepherd. And he did so effectively, so he comes by and he's bringing some meals over to his brothers who are at the front line and his dad who's dealing with this Philistine army and their champion. And he stops by, right? He's just a humble shepherd. He just wants to serve. He's faithful to God all of his life. So much so that it's like his Pink Floyd solo was able to get rid of all the stuff that was tormenting the king, right? This guy was, was in tune. He was focused. He was steadfast. He had a solid aim. The title of the sermon is The Aim. If you're taking notes, I don't think anyone is. But if you are, uh, it, the, the title of the sermon is The Aim. And here's the point why. His, his aim was solid. He knew what he was looking at. He was looking at God no matter what the circumstances around him were. If he was shepherding, he was shepherding for God. If he was playing the lute, he was playing it for God, right? If he was taking out a giant as a shepherd, he was doing it for God. And he comes to one of the big moments that we all know David for, David and Goliath. And so he showed up, he wouldn't take the king's sword, he wouldn't take the king's armor. He knew what he had to do. There was no doubt, there was no fear. He picked up the smooth river stone. I come to you, you come to me with a sword and I come to you in the name of the Lord, right? Let it go, took out the giant. We understand this about David. David was an incredible individual in this moment, but he was more than just that. 
He didn't just slay Goliath and they crowned him king and he lived happily ever after. Right? There's a big point between the crowning of the king. He then became a part of the king's guard and he became best friends with the king's son and he was even offered the king's daughter as a bride. But then jealousy started to get in the way and then King Saul pulled his daughter away as a potential bride for David. And then he even heard his people singing the praises, Saul has killed his thousands but David has killed his tens of thousands. And then jealousy starts to creep in and pride And I would imagine Saul knew of the prophecies as well as anybody, having started a a faithful walk towards serving God in his kingship of the nation of Israel. But then his anger became physical and he became violent. And then one day he decided he was just going to indefinitely start hunting for David's life. He wanted to kill him. He wanted him gone. He wanted him off the table. And David would defend himself, and he'd dodge, duck, dip, dive, and dodge every time a spear or something was chucked at him. And then finally, one day, he was fleeing for his life from King Saul, and God delivered an opportunity for him to take Saul's life. It was a perfect opportunity. He was defenseless. He was off guard, and David saw it. But even still, he refused to harm God's anointed. David honored God's anointed even when they were dishonorable. David honored his king, even though he was dishonorable. And I think this isn't what the sermon is about, but I think it's an important thing to touch on. Many of us have people that are over us or in seats of authority over us that we are called to honor by God, but they might be living dishonorably or behaving in a dishonorable way. And we think that exempts us from having to be honorable in response. But understand that our honoring is to God and not to a person. And when God tells us that by honoring our superiors, respectively speaking, but by honoring those who are in seats of authority over us, we are in turn honoring God. And we're not allowing someone else's dishonor to dictate and drive us to be dishonorable as well. Our honor remains intact no matter our circumstances, no matter who's over us. And that's, again, it's not what the sermon's about, but I feel that I would be serving you uh, dishonorably by just glancing over that. In, in 2022, as we move into this new year, may we determine to do so with honor, following the example that David set here. And he cut off a piece of Saul's robe just to say, like, look, I was here. I could have taken his life, but I didn't. I honored him. I, honored, I promised to not touch God's anointed. Eventually, King Saul and his son Jonathan did fall in battle. And David, then being crowned king as his successor, even took revenge against those that did touch God's anointed. He would even honor his enemies further verifying that as the prophesied king of Israel, he was the right man for the job. He was the right guy for the job. This is all a really solid trajectory. These are all really neat stories. These are all really great things to extrapolate good truths and solid. But there's one other thing we know David for, isn't there? There's one other story that David's a part of that we've studied and we've heard and involves a woman named Bathsheba. Yeah, you guys know where we're going with this, right? Like if you see someone taking a bath and their name is Bath, maybe don't, yeah? Like that's a red flag, I think, red flag emoji, like across, you know, like that's, maybe, maybe that's a clue. But let's break this down. Because David's recently, suddenly changed. 
David's recently was good, 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 and then has recently changed little choice by little choice. Because we need to understand, there's a difference between a bad decision and a mistake, right? A mistake, an accident, that's tripping, that's dropping something, that's the best of intentions without positive execution. But a mistake is a bad choice, a bad decision, an intentional sin. And little choice by little choice, David found his recently changing. And it started here in 2 Samuel chapter 11, verse 1. In the spring of the year when kings normally go out to war, David sent Joab and the Israelite army to fight the Ammonites. They destroyed the Ammonite army and laid siege to the city of Rabbah. However, David stayed behind in Jerusalem. Don't forget that first line. In the spring of the year when kings normally go out to war. He had an obligation to go out to war. He had an obligation to be on the front lines. That was his kingly duty. That was his responsibility. But for whatever reason, David said, nah, fam, I'm good. I don't, I don't need to do this today. Whether it was cowardice, whether it was pride, whether it was slothfulness, laziness, who can say? But it wasn't good. It was the first in a long list of increasing compromises. It was the first in a small sin, but sin is never satisfied, so it's not just gonna stay a small sin. Whatever it was, laziness, pride, cowardice, that kept him there. He had an obligation, he had a responsibility, and as we've seen happen many times, often it's humility and faithfulness and kindness and love that gets people to a journey that ultimately leads them into a seat of authority and then they find themselves in a seat of authority and then pride starts seeping in a little bit. And then selfishness starts seeping in a little bit, right? Well, I've paid my dues. I've done everything I need to do. I've earned my spot. Now it's time to kick back a little bit, right? David succumbed to this. But wait. <laughs> yeah, I know people that are familiar with what we do in our youth. I love that. I love. So, a, a tangent, a, a few months ago when we did the Best is Yet to Come series here at the church, the youth version of that that we did was, but wait, there's more. So when you see the burgundy shirts with like the, the cream colored, but wait, there's more stuff, that's our youth bunch. Like, and they clung to that, and we still say that to this day, and I, I love it. We just got the best youth in the world. I dig it. I love you guys so much. It is such an honor to get to do this. So it didn't stop with laziness, cowardice, and pride for King David. Suddenly this next step happened in 2 Samuel chapter 11, verses 2 through the, the start of verse 4. Late one afternoon, after his midday rest, what? I would stop there for just a minute. Midday rest? I haven't had a midday rest since I was teething, okay? Like, mid, like I'm good to get a midnight rest. Like, let alone midday. Okay, David, after his midday rest, um is really roughing it here. After his midday rest, David got out of bed and was walking on the roof of the palace, really struggling here. As he looked over the city, he noticed a woman of unusual beauty taking a bath. Uh-oh. I'll say it again. Uh-oh. He sent someone to find out who she was. Who that? And he was told, this is Bathsheba, the daughter of Iliam, and this is the part David can't claim he was going, la, 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 right? And the wife of Uriah the Hittite. Again, we said, uh-oh. 
Then David, oh David, then David sent messengers to get her. VeggieTales said this was a rubber ducky. It was not a rubber ducky. It was a spouse. More importantly, someone else's. David saw her, and he said, who dat? And he was told who that was, and he didn't care. Little, little uh, word of advice. If you see someone naked that you're not married to, please stop. Don't do that. And it doesn't matter if it's on a rooftop or a cell phone. Yeah, it always gets quiet about there. It doesn't matter if it's on a rooftop or a cell phone, folks. If we're looking at someone naked that we're not married to, it's not good. It is a bad day. It is a bad call. It is a bad decision. Y'all got really quiet. Um, He saw Bathsheba. And you see, this is, this is one of the reasons why I believe David was considered a man after God's own heart. And follow with me on this. David understood a principle that Christ would not introduce for another several hundred years. And it was this principle that, that Jesus says that if you lust after a woman in your heart, it's not enough to have committed adultery with her. But if you lust after her, it's as though you've committed adultery with her, right? If you lust after a person... It's, it, you don't even have to touch them. If you lust after them in your heart, it's as though you've committed adultery with them. Or if you hate someone in your heart, it's as though you're guilty of murder against them. And I think David understood this principle from the get-go because he was the king. He was the most powerful person on the planet. All he had to have was desire, and then suddenly it was done for him. Can you guys imagine? Just try to put yourself in David's shoes. It wasn't enough for him to just say, hey, that looks great. And then suddenly, she's in his quarters. David understood that just his desire alone was enough to make something happen for him. Can you imagine, can you put yourself in David's shoes and imagine if your desire alone would instantly be gratified by the people around you serving you? You imagine how dangerous that would be? Can you imagine how much trouble we would get ourselves into if simple desire became fact and took action? That's scary, but that's the life David lived. We want to be super judgmental over this season in David's life as though we would behave any differently, as though we are somehow immune to these sins. We are not, and they're more prevalent than ever because most of them are right here in the palm of our hand through our cell phones. Right? You can have a lot of secrets on that phone. We can have a lot of sin on that phone. Gives us access to a bunch. But David understood that potentially hundreds of years before his time. So what started as laziness, cowardice, pride, turns into adultery. But sin doesn't stop there. It never stops there. 2 Samuel chapter 11, verses 6 through 9. Then David sent word to Joab, send me Uriah the Hittite, that is the husband of Bathsheba. So Joab went down, or Joab sent him to David. When Uriah arrived, David asked him how Joab and the army were getting along and how the war was progressing. And then he told Uriah, you know what, go on home and relax. 
David even sent a gift to Uriah after he had left the palace, but Uriah didn't go home. He slept that night at the palace entrance with the king's palace guards. Here's what David did. David's like, uh, I can fix this. I can fix this. So I'm gonna go get Uriah and he's gonna come back and then I'm gonna give him a gift basket, right? It's gonna have like wine and chocolates and lots of date night stuff and I don't know, like the notebook on DVD or something. I don't know, whatever, you know, makes y'all happy, whatever. Anyway, that's what he had, have a little gift basket. He's trying to cover his tracks. He's trying to now deceive, right? He's the lazy coward and prideful, and then he's the adulterer, and now he's the deceiver. He's trying to cover up his mistakes. But Uriah is an honorable man. He might have honored his king's request to come back home from the front lines of the war, but his mind, his heart is still with his men who are fighting and dying. He's their commander. He's their friend. And he can't simply abandon them, even though he's honoring his king. And his king is trying to manipulate him and pulled him away from this war and is darkening the reputation of the Israelite army because he has a secret to hide. He's a deceiver, but it doesn't stop at deceit. Sin isn't done. Sin is never done. 2 Samuel chapter 11, verses 14 through 17. So the next morning, David wrote a letter to Joab, gave it to Uriah to deliver, and the letter instructed Joab, station Uriah, in the front lines where the battle is fiercest, then pull back so that he will be killed. So Job assigned Uriah to a spot close to the city wall where he knew the enemy's strongest men were fighting. And when the enemy soldiers came out of the city to fight, Uriah the Hittite was killed along with several other Israelite soldiers. So now David's a murderer to cover up a secret, to hide the truth of a terrible decision that he had made. Because sin wasn't done. Sin is never done. See, again, we think that we've, where we've been recently dictates where we're going. We think where we've been recently is all that we have to offer, and so that's what we're going to keep doing. Even though the consequences increase, even though the temptation increases, even though the poor decisions increase, we're like, well, I'm already on this route. I might as well finish up this dumpster fire, right? That's, that's the mentality that the enemy wants us to have. But David decides not to allow this. I believe this is one of the reasons that David is defined as a man after God's own heart, because he returns to his aim, He made many poor decisions, but then finds himself in a seat of repentance. He's no longer just a murderer, an adulterer, a deceiver, a lazy man. He then becomes a repenter, a father, returns to a servanthood of the Most High God. David had a burden for change. Psalm 51 verse 1 says, Have mercy on me, O God, because of your unfailing love, because of your great compassion. Blot out the stains of my sins. Wash me clean of my guilt. Purify me from my sins. First thing David is saying is that God is greater than my sin. That God is greater than the ugly that I'm bringing to the table. He's saying, I don't have to clean myself up. I don't have to drop things off myself. If I drop something off, inevitably someone else is going to pick it up and hand it right back to me. I've got to give it to God because he's the only one whose back is strong enough to carry this burden. Did you know that we as humans were not designed to bear the burden of sin? We can't do it. Our design predates sin's involvement in human history. Think about that for a second. 
Human history started with eternal life in mind, and then sin entered, and God in his mercy removed that and made a way out. We weren't made to carry sin. We weren't made to carry the weight of our poor decisions and our choices and our failures. But David understood that God was bigger than his sin even. He covered himself in sackcloth and ash at the end of his adultery when he was worried for the life of the child that he had with Bathsheba. And that child's life was lost. And very quickly, David put down the sackcloth and ash. He ended his season of fasting. In light of that, where he wrote this 51st Psalm, I continue at verse 3. For I recognize my rebellion. It haunts me day and night. Against you and you alone I have sinned. I've done what is evil in your sight. You will be, prov- you will be proved right in what, in what you say. And your judgment against me is just. Here's what David didn't say. David didn't say, only God can judge me. Right? David didn't get it tattooed. It wasn't just only God can judge me. No, no, no. David was confessing his sin against God. Scripture says to judge a tree by the fruit that it bears. Scripture says expect the same measurement of judgment to be judged against you, that which you judge others. I don't know where we got this idea that only God can judge us. But David understood that wasn't the truth. David understood that God is the judge And he confessed his sins before God. He confessed his failures before God because God had a work to do in him still yet. Moving on, verse 5. For I was born a sinner, yes, from the moment my mother conceived me, but you desire honesty from the womb, teaching me wisdom. Even there, purify me from my sins, and I will be clean. Wash me, and I will be whiter than snow. This sinful world, what David understood, this sinful world and our sin nature is not an excuse to live sinfully. It is not an excuse to be content in our sin because this is what we do. We, we get in these groups of other people that sin just like we sin and we make each other feel better about our sin. And that's not what God designed things to be like. He wants us to hold one another accountable. He doesn't want us to feel better about our sin. He wants us to repent from our sin so we can walk away from it. This is about repentance. This is not about feeling good. Feelings are awful. They will lie to you. They will convince you that poison is fruit. It did that to our first parents. And it does this to us every single day. And we must understand that in this next plea, It is our most important step in repentance. David says, oh, give me back my joy again. You have broken me, now let me rejoice. Don't keep me looking at my sins. Remove the stain of my guilt. Create in me a clean heart, oh God. Renew a loyal spirit within me. Do not banish me from your presence and don't take your Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of your salvation and make me willing to obey you. Here's what David's saying. Let me get back to it. You gave me a mission, you gave me a calling, you gave me a job to do. Don't let me sit here pathetic and licking my wounds because I'm feeling real bad about what I did. Let me give it to you, let me earnestly repent, let me do what I can to make it right, and then let me get back to kingdom work. Every single person in this room, Satan would love to 
occupy your heart and mind. Satan would love to give you spiritual paralysis because of the failures of your past. Not a single one of your failures is a surprise to God. Not a single one of your failures did he not know from the foundations of the earth as he was dying on the cross for your sins. Did he not know what those nails were piercing him for? Did he not know what his life was being given up for? He knew it all along and still he chose you. He's not waiting for you to get clean. He's begging to clean you. He's begging you to bring your filth, your disgust, your pain, your shame, your hurt, your heartache, and bring it all to him because he's got good things for it. He's got good things for you. But the longer we sit and feel sorry for ourselves and feel bad about what we've done, and get really mopey and get really sad is a lot more time that we're not serving God. There's a lot of time that we're not getting beyond the walls of our own dang pride to reach other people because guess what? Your failure has a story attached to it of God's redemption through the blood of Jesus because of your repentance that someone needs to hear. Your failure that Satan convinced you to take, take a step away from the straight and narrow is a tool that God desperately wants to use to reach someone that only you can reach. He makes beauty from ashes. He works all things, including our poor choices, all things, including our impossible circumstances, all things, including the stuff we didn't pick for ourselves but were thrust upon us. He works all things to the good of those that love him and are called according to his word. David was a person after God's heart, not because he was a perfect person who never tasted the bitterness of failure. But a person after God's heart is someone who is not defeated by failure, but rather conquers failure with repentance. Failure will happen. Because you experience failure does not mean you are a failure. We only fail when we quit. Satan only wins when we give up. But when we repent, when we get back up, when we get to doing God's work, we find life and find it abundantly. Our aim in 2022 must be named with a new direction, not one burdened by the failure of our past. Not one burdened by the poor decisions we've made or by the awful circumstances that we faced over the past couple of years. 2019 to now has felt like a blur, but now this is the day that the Lord has made. Let's rejoice and be glad in it. Amen. So I want to close out with this. Acts chapter 3 verse 19 says, now repent of your sins and turn to God so that your sins may be wiped away. You know, hunters will tell you when you're drawing a bow, your bow will be drawn, your arrow notched, knocked, knocked, notched, knocked. your arrow's there, and it's ready to go. But you're not done aiming just because you've drawn back. In fact, the position you drew back is probably facing the ground. 
So in the position that you've strained and struggled and finally gotten into a position of moving forward is likely not the final position. You still have opportunities to aim. We are in day two of 2022, but folks, there's still time for us to take aim. There's time to move our aim from the trajectory of 2019, 2020, 2021. There's room, there's time, there's space for us to take our aim away from the trajectory of the failures of our past. Instead, give all of that to Jesus and take aim at our calling that he has placed on each and every one of us. The time is now. The time is now. I love this billboard when you go into Alabama, you'll see there's this billboard that says, if you're waiting for your sign, this is it. This is your sign. I'm telling you this morning, if you're waiting for an opportunity to give your heart and life to Jesus, if you're waiting for a time to rededicate your heart towards serving him and doing kingdom work, if you're waiting for a moment to finally put aside this habitual problem, to put aside this unfruitful relationship, to put aside this whatever it is that is burdening us and keeps coming and gnawing at our ability to serve God, this is the time. This is the time. Let's pray. Father, you're good. You are a dad better than any earthly dad could ever be. You are kind and you are patient. You are loving. You are sacrificial. You bring hope to the hopeless. And right now, even if we know you, some of us might still be hopeless, or at least in our own perspective. We might not be paying as close attention to your promises of great joy. We not, might not be paying attention to the promises of the great calling that's on each of our lives. And some of us here today may not even have a relationship with you at all. Father, soften our hearts today. Focus our aim on you. Help us to earnestly repent. Help us to earnestly make right and expose to you the wrongs that have been weighing us down, that have been keeping us from pursuing you. Help us to lay them at your feet and hand them over to you and walk away free from the burden that we might serve you with great ferocity. Help us to love you. For those of us that don't have a relationship with you, may we be led in this prayer. Father, forgive me of my sins. I have a lot. As mountainous as my sins may feel, however, they're not greater than you. I know that your son Jesus died for my sins. I know that he took my burden so I wouldn't have to carry it. I know that he lives eternally by your right hand. And I ask that you would write my name in the Lamb's book of life, that though not perfect, I would live a life of repentance that Christ's perfection would be made manifest in me.
Help me to follow you. Help me to serve you. Help me to chase after you. Help me to be obedient to your word and your Holy Spirit. And when I fail, help me repent and get back up to serving you again. May 2022 be the best year ever. May the best still be yet to come. And may we serve you as a church. May we serve you as a family. May we serve you as individuals. And may we do so through a heart of repentance. In Christ Jesus' name, all God's men and women said, amen. Thank you all so much. Hey everyone, thanks for joining us today online. We know that you weren't able to join us in the auditorium, but that's totally fine because you've made this a priority in your life to make sure that you are receiving God's word. If you received Christ for the first time today, that's absolutely awesome, but we want to know about it. So if you can, if you're on Facebook, in the description there's a link. Go ahead and hit that and fill it out uh, on our connection card that you received Christ. If you're on our website, if you're on an app, hit the menu at the top and you can do the same thing from there. So if you're already on the connection card, you probably are noticing some other next steps that might be interesting to you. If you are interested in any one of those, just check those and when you submit that, it'll inform us and we can be in contact with you to answer any questions that you may have about those next steps. So this is the time of our service where we're gonna jump into our giving. At Freedom Church, we believe that you can't outgive God. This is just another act of worship where we trust God with what he has blessed us with. If you're on Facebook, again, in the description, there's a link there. You can give securely, safely on the website and the app. Also in that menu, you can see a place to do that as well. But just because we're in the, the time of technology doesn't mean you can't do it the old-fashioned way. There is an address at the bottom of the screen that you can send it to, and it'll, come, it'll show up safe as well. Or just drop it by the office anytime Monday through Thursday between 8 and 5, and we will receive it. Other than that, you have a great day.